Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe. I'm a sales and marketing coach and strategist for health coaches, life coaches, and wellness professionals who want to become a leader in their field by building their online community, rocking their sales process, and finally feeling confident about how they promote themselves and their marketing. On this show, we talk about tips to grow your business, save yourself time, and finally be able to create a sustainable, profitable business. Let's get into it. I got a free class for you. It's my free fast track plan to your next 10K clients and how to stand out. If you've been struggling with what to focus on in your coaching business to attract clients to you, go to HaleyRowe.com slash fast for the free class. Hey, I'm live. Today we have a special guest joining to talk with us about how to manage your sales objections without being pushy. So for those of you who are trying to market yourselves online and you even in your marketing, you want to address things like, you know, creating the building up the value of your program and um, getting those objections out of the way kind of in your content in addition to on your discovery calls so that hopefully if you do this in your marketing, these objections will come up less in your actual discovery calls, then today's call is gonna be for you. So we're gonna bring on a special guest named Dale. He's a sales trainer and we are gonna talk about it. So if you wanna share in the comments what your biggest objection you receive is in your business, I would love to see it so that we can talk about how to address it. And I am going to invite our guest to join us. Here we go. Here we go. Here he is. Hey, Dale. So what you can do is request to join and I'll bring you on. Hey. How are hey. you? Morning. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So let's dig in. So first, just tell me a little bit about what got you into sales and what you do. And we'll go into talking about objections. Absolutely. So what got me into sales, um, I kind of got into the career um, by chance. I uh, went to a semester of college and went, I, I don't uh, want to keep spending money on undergrad credits if I don't know what I want to do. So I left thinking I'd go back. And um, long story short, I happened to get recruited by uh, vice president of uh, the Xerox market out here in Hawaii. And uh, I was 19, about to turn 20 years old and uh, never looked back from there. So it's just been, uh, you know, I fell in love with the selling profession, providing solutions to people and businesses. And um, now it's been, oh, 17 years. And uh, it's just been a, a great experience. Um, love the challenge of it. I love meeting people. I love seeing the impact of, you know, the solutions that we, uh, that I've offered and then sold to folks and, and what that's meant for their, their businesses. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm really excited to talk about some of the common things that coaches are dealing with when it comes to objections and sales on their sales calls, or even before the sales call, people bringing up certain concerns. So the first thing I would love to talk with you about is, you know, there's a lot of free information on the internet. And as 
you and I both know coaching is about implementing and helping somebody create something customized and helping somebody not have to piece together everything that's free and figure it out. It's for convenience. It's for implementation. It's for having skin in the game. But what should a coach do if somebody's like, yeah, I'll just keep trying things on my own. I have a couple free recipes. I have a couple free blogs I read blah, blah, blah. Like, what do, they, what do you do when someone says, I want to kind of exhaust my free resources um, before deciding to work with a coach, but I really want to reach these goals. And that's kind of their, their statement. Yeah, that's, uh, it comes up definitely from time to time. So um, to sort of level set, I mean, any kind of objection handling um, really needs to start from a place of clarity. So meaning when you hear an objection, whether it's, hey, there are all these free resources out there, um, you know, as this example, um, you always want to take a moment, just pause, hear them out, and then ask them to kind of expand on that. So if somebody were to say that to me, hey, I want to kind of exhaust these free things I've, I've done and see if I can kind of figure it out from there before I invest in coaching, um, I'll ask them to clarify. Say, okay, Haley, thanks for sharing that with me, demonstrating some empathy. Um, well, you mentioned these free resources. Tell me more about them. Exactly what are they and, and how do you plan to implement them? And then from there, you know, with objection handling, what you'll notice is the conversation starts to start flow organically. That's typically in this situation where you start to hear, well, well, you know, I, I have these resources, but I, oh, good question about how do I plan to implement? I guess I was just planning to, to read them. And then you kind of dig into that. Okay, well, I mean, there's, you know, it, it, it's not a new thing that free information exists or low cost information exists, right? You go on amazon.com, there are a bunch of books you can buy. Um, but you've said you've been challenged with this for X amount of time now. Like, why do you think that, you know, that free information hasn't helped to this point? And you're just really trying to take them down this path of understanding what it is the other thing too is that in trying to clarify, sometimes what they say at first isn't really what their concern or their objection is. And so by asking that clarity question, you know, um, you may find that your interpretation of it might be different. So maybe if I try to come up with an example, oh, tell me about these free resources and how do you plan to implement them? Um, they say, oh, well, you know, I have actually, I, I just know that they're free. I haven't even, but I haven't really identified those resources yet. Oh, okay. So now you're, you're, it's like, it's, it's very different from what they might've initially said. And that's a totally different line of questioning, right. To overcome that. So um, that's ultimately how I think uh, objection handling really should start because the variations in how you're going to overcome will be dictated by what is, what's the clarity that you've uncovered and, and received. Um, what I usually tell people in my coaching, and especially when we're talking about objection handling, is that objection handling should be like sharpshooting, right? When you go to make that statement to try and overcome their objection, it needs to be super targeted to what exactly that real objection is. Most often, though, people who are not practiced in sales skills, they'll still do the shotgun method. Okay, let me throw five of these nice sounding bullet points out at you, and, and I'm hoping one of them sticks. Um, and, and that's not really the way to do it. Yeah, I'm so glad for that. So the way that I see sales is, it is kind of a partnership with somebody to see if 
your program is the solution for them. So when you're dictating and when you're just making up your bullet points that you read in a book somewhere about dealing with objections, it's not going to come across the same way as if you were actually coaching someone to be like asking them questions to learn about why they really have the challenge in the first place and why they're scared or why if, if it's a hesitation about as you said, is it really the hesitation they're bringing up or is there something deeper there? So really just holding that space and kind of reflecting back what you're hearing is what I heard from you. And then asking, being curious about, well, what, what are the options? What's gonna be different this time if you do continue to use those free resources and what are, you know, what's the plan for that? So I like how rather than accusing or, or kind of being like, well, you shouldn't, use your free resources, you should do it this way. You're more like, okay, is that going to actually work this time? <laughs> let's explore it. Let's work together to see if I don't even know, but let's find out. Right. So um, regardless, I think a good salesperson is dedicated to helping someone find a solution, even if it's not their program, but leaving the call better than the person started and leaving the call, knowing that the person has you know, they've laid it all out on the table and the truth is out there and they know what they're going to go do next, that kind of thing. So um, when it comes to like, I'm hearing kind of the general thing is empathize or, or reflect back kind of what you're hearing. Be curious and ask a question. Don't just dictate what you feel like saying because you memorized it from something. And then um, really find out if that's a true reason or if there's something deeper. Is that right? Or is there anything else you'd want to add to how just the, the principles of dealing with an objection? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, for me, I usually um, go over a, uh, what I, it's a framework, a six step framework. And so the first one is just stop and ask, clarify. So it's that, you know, um, in research, 90 some odd percent or more of initial objections are uh, what I call smoke screens. They're they're not actually the thing the person's thinking about or concerned about or um, is unsure about. So uh, step one of the framework is just, you need to ask questions and clarify. Once you've gotten down to something actionable, so let's say you went from a, I need to think about an objection or I need to talk to my spouse or partner about an objection to here's exactly the one or two things that we're going to be talking about and why I want to talk about them. So that's, you know, that's specific and actionable. Then um, I, step two of the framework is rephrasing. Okay. So Haley, if I understand correctly, um, your question about moving forward is actually A and B, right? And, and all that does is you're echoing back. You're trying to demonstrate that you understood that you heard them out. Uh, and you're, you're continuing to demonstrate empathy for kind of their situation and where they are. Um, and once they acknowledge, you know, assuming you've, you've done a good job of listening and you've repeated it back, next, I always isolate. So this is a big thing that a lot of salespeople, a lot of new business owners, solopreneurs, and coaches tend to shy away from is because they're afraid of objections, they don't actually address it head on. So the isolation step, once I've clarified, okay, here's exactly what it is I'm hearing. Do you agree, Haley? Yes, I do. Okay, great. Haley, other than that, what else, what other questions would you have that might prevent us from moving forward? And that's an uncomfortable step for a lot of people because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm asking this person if they have any other objections, but it's much better for you to get all the cards on the table 
and address them than kind of leave things to be uncertain or, or assume that there's not something else. Um, and interestingly, most, um, you know, there are a lot of prominent market research companies out there, uh, HubSpot, the sales readiness group, folks like that. And all the research has shown that if a sales conversation has no real objection or no encounters no level of resistance or objection, the odds of closing that sale actually drops by as much as 65%. Wow. So one, one of the big things um, that I tell people is that we need to reframe our mindset about objections that they're not bad. They're actually a positive sign of interest, right? People don't raise questions or concerns about things that they don't care about. If, if they weren't planning to move forward, they would just say, oh, you know, no, I don't have any concerns. Bye, let's get off the call, right? So again, step three of that framework is isolation. I want to invite them to tell me what else they might have in their mind because I, I don't want to um, piecemeal it, right? I don't want to overcome one objection and then go for the close and then they come up with another one. Then you go overcome it, go for the close, you come up with another one. Once you've kind of asked the same closing question three or four times, that's really where it starts to feel like you're pushing. So I'd rather get it all on the table. Once they've agreed yes or no, hey, that's my uh, only objection or my only concern, then you go into handling it. Then you confirm you've handled it. And then you head straight back into your call to action, which is a step that a lot of people miss, right? They overcome the objection. They kind of leave the dead air there. And then the, the prospect goes, okay, um, well, thanks for answering that. You know, I, I still want to take time to think about it. You always want to handle an objection. And once they say, yes, that addresses my concern, head straight back into your call action. Okay, great. Since we addressed that, let's head straight into here's the paperwork or, you know, whatever your, your call to action question is going to be. Nice. Really well said. I love that six steps. And one of the things that I notice um, is a lot of times I had a client who was afraid of sales because she didn't want to come across as pushy. And when she started to adopt, adapt her mindset to seeing it as really coaching someone to a solution and she got some practice in, you know, I think there's good, like, just like you gave a structure right now to handle objections. I think starting off to make coaches feel more comfortable on their discovery calls, it is good to have a little bit of a structure or an outline to fall back on. And then of course, as you get more experience, you can, you know, kind of have nuances, but I think a common mistake is because they're afraid of being salesy or pushy, they try to skip over or avoid the objections altogether. And you mm -hmm. want them to come out earlier in the call rather than later. You don't want to wait the whole call, get to the end, get to the sales pitch, blah, 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 and then find out somebody has financial challenges or whatever it is. So how does somebody um, start to bring up the objections or ask the right questions to start to pick up on what might be an objection later in the call so that they can kind of coach through it or, or help through it? Um, earlier <clears throat> so um two big two main things there would be um it's a you need to develop your what i call active listening skills um, when people say things we we often reply and it's usually not even conscious but the way somebody replies to something the words that they use often leave what i call breadcrumbs that if you're really paying attention and, and actually trying to understand versus just going through the motions of asking questions so you can get to the next thing you're trying to say, 
you, uh, an amazing thing happens where it starts, you start to notice these breadcrumbs that people leave for you in their responses. So for example, uh, I'm a sales coach. When I'm in a discovery call with somebody, I might ask them, you know, tell me about uh, your current, you know, uh, I might've asked them in the past, hey, have you worked with a sales coach or have you gone through any formal sales training before? And they'll say something like, oh, you know, uh, I worked with somebody in the past. Uh, it didn't really work out. Um, although their content was really great, uh, I took maybe one or two things from there. And, um, but I'm still not where I want to be. So most people, a lot of uh, kind of unseasoned or, or untrained folks will go, oh, okay. They weren't happy with their previous coach. So, um, you know, I need to figure out, I need to do, say everything I can to make sure they're going to be happy with me. But really the breadcrumbs in that kind of answer are the specifics. So I might follow up and say, okay, Haley, thanks for sharing that. You mentioned you only took one or two things from the last coach you worked with. What, what were those two things and why do you think they stuck with you, right? And so I'm trying to now figure out, okay, what matters to them? And then on the flip side, it could be, okay, now that you've explained that to me, you mentioned that, you know, it didn't really work out what are, you know, what's like one of the one or two specific reasons why you think that wasn't the case. So in the breadcrumb, and you're trying to discover and, and unturn all these little things that people say, you can start to get their frame of perspective. And that starts to inform as you gain more experience, you'll start to be able to discern, okay, with this kind of perspective, this is likely where like the objections may go. So you can perhaps start to layer in some they call it diffusing the landmines. Like you start to layer in some conversation or some questions to sort of proactively address that. So that's, that's kind of number one. Number two would be as you're having your sales call, you want to do what are called uh, pre-closing questions. So they're not, hey, do you want to buy? But it's, hey, do you agree with X, you know, with X? And so, for example, if I've just gone through a line of questioning and somebody says, I, I, you know, um, don't do well in group coaching settings. I, I find that I really have to have more personalized attention. Um, I will confirm that by saying, asking a question like, okay, Haley, so if I understand correctly, you would find the most value in an approach that gives you as much one-on-one -on -one attention as possible um, versus group coaching. Is that right? Yes. And so you kind of pre-close that, those types of things. In the pre-closing, if they say no, then number one, that, that helps inform you that you've misunderstood something. And misunderstanding is a big source of objections later on in the process. But number two, you can almost start the mini objection handle right there. Oh, okay, I apologize that I misunderstood. Tell me more. You know, can you expand on it? Tell me more. So objection handling is not you know, an event that happens. We just happen to get them most when we go ask for the close. But really, you can be listening for the breadcrumbs and the clues for ahead of time, and you can proactively try to address them by doing these pre-closing type of questions. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And helping um, the person on the other end communicate more clearly about what's important to them, and, and that helps you be a better service provider, too. Because if you know in the past, oops, dropped my pen. Uh, if you know in the past, they struggled with X, Y, and Z, and this time, or, or they don't need help with A, B, C, well, then you know when you're going to get into your coaching pitch, you're not going to pitch them on, I'm going to help you solve A, B, C, because they said they don't need that. They said they don't want that. So, and if you're a one-on-one -on -one coach or you have a customizable program, you can do that because your program is customizable. So, yeah. uh, 
I think one of the other things though that happens is um, looking into options. So I wanna talk about specifically somebody who says, well, I'm looking into a couple programs, I'm looking into a couple options. I have a couple other uh, consults booked, so I'm gonna need to you know, let you know or whatever. How, what would you, now I know when um, I've you know, been coached and all that kind of stuff, the thing that I hear is, well, you wanna be the last call. You wanna be the last person they talk to. But sometimes that's not always, you don't know, until you're on the call that that's happening for them, that they're going to go look around. So what would you say, um, how do you manage that? How would you manage that in a conversational way, the way that you did, you know, showed us an example? Um, so, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Um, a lot of conventional sales training says, you know, whether it's B2B, B2C or whatever, that you want to be the last person in. Interestingly, my experience has been the opposite, that being earlier on in the process is better because, again, if you're coming from a place of understanding and empathy, you can help this person realize things that help inform those future conversations. Um, you know, in the B2B world, we would call that you can influence the bid, like, you know, of, of what's going to be in, when they come out with their request for proposal, um, what's going to be the, the, the buying criteria and the important criteria in that request that comes out and the more you can help shape that or influence that actually the more advantageous it might be. So if somebody is looking at a variety of different options, number one, you know, I'm not a big believer in the, like, just try to close them no matter what anyway type of approach. I think that comes off very pushy salesy. That's the exact opposite of like selling, you know, with the idea that you're trying to help, right? If somebody believes that looking at options is helpful, um, I may want to dig into like why they feel like they want to, they need to, do they just, are they just doing it because they feel like they should or, you know, kind of what was the, the motivation to book these additional calls? Um, because if they kind of tell you, oh, well, I just felt like I should talk to these people, then that's a, a, maybe a basis to say, okay, well, now that we've had a conversation, like, how are you feeling about, about what we've talked about, how, you know, how we're connecting. And if they give you very strong, well, no, I, I, you know, this was fantastic. This actually exceeded my expectations. Then you can maybe steer the conversation. So do you really, what would be the value in talking to, to other folks if you feel like I could you know, help you already or, or what, whatever that might be. If they're very insistent still on, no, I, I, you know, I really wanna at least kind of have these other calls, the other console calls, then it's okay. You know, tell me what, what is it that you're looking to get out of additional consultation calls that you might not have gotten here? So now you're trying to make sure that you're, you're filling the gap. You're not leaving it the chance that somebody else is going to say something that maybe you offer that you've helped with, but you just didn't kind of turn that stone over, right? So, hey, what, uh, what would you be hoping to get from other conversations that we might have missed? So you're trying to address any potential gaps. Um, what you also want to do is if you have a good, strong understanding of your USP, your unique selling point, what makes you stand out from other service providers, you may also want to start asking questions that help reinforce that, right? So um, those pre-closing questions can help, right? Because if you know, for example, they say, hey, I'm going to talk to these two people and you're aware, well, those two offer more group style programs, but you're more of like a custom tailored one-on-one -on -one type of solution. Um, you want to start influencing that line of thought, right? So, okay, so, 
just to sum up our conversation, Haley, you, I understand you have other calls, but what's really important to you throughout our call so far is you said that you, you are really looking for like a tailored one-on-one situation is, you know, did I get that right? Yes. Okay, great. And so you're, you're starting to maybe reinforce what your USP or your uniqueness is versus some of the other calls they might get on through those pre-closing type of, of conversations. Um, what's interesting, you know, or, or one thing that I always encourage people to do is selling is, should never be why somebody should be afraid of doing business with somebody else. It's why they should do business with you. What are the advantages of doing business with you? And so one thing that I've done for people in, especially in the B2B world, um, and it can certainly apply um, you know, for coaches as well, is can you help them with some kind of decision-making framework? So let's say you're on this call, they're very um, firm and that they're gonna speak to other coaches. Okay, great, uh, Haley, tell me, have you gone through this kind of buying process before, this kind of decision-making process before? Most people will say, no, this is the first time I'm looking at these kind of services, okay. Um, so just to help make, you know, make the future calls um, more effective and productive for you, why don't we kind of map out, you know, what the main criteria are going to be, what's most important for you. And you're building out kind of this framework that you can then email to them and say, Hey, at the end of the call, Haley, I'm going to summarize what we just talked about and email it to you. That way for your next call, you have it right in front of you. And, and you can know that you want to ask these questions. You want to hit on these major points to make sure that these things that you've said are important to you exist in these other programs. So that's kind of like what I mentioned before about influencing the bid. You're sort of helping guide the framework of how those conversations might go. Um, and that can be, it's helpful to be in the driver's seat in that, in that case, again, assuming alignment between you being able to, to, to help that client. Totally. Love that. And what about um, when you get to the pricing this is, I'm sure people are going to ask this. What do you do about people who are like, oh, no, you know, it's too expensive or the economy or et cetera. Now, I know for me, we, um, in my program, we always talk about how going back to your point about getting to the real reasons. Sometimes it's truly finances. Other times it's actually they don't see the value in the product or they don't trust you or they don't trust themselves to follow through on the product or whatever. Mm -hmm. So how do you... Um, manage that one yeah so going through the framework uh, so somebody says oh you know it's perhaps too it's too expensive right now um hey Haley, i understand finances are always something to consider but tell me when you say too expensive how do you mean like or you know you want to clarify what that means because mm -hmm. i've had situations where too expensive meant i can't i can't put all five thousand up front mm -hmm. oh, okay well maybe i could offer that right you're thinking in your mind okay well, I, I could alleviate that with a payment plan um, or too expensive is, you know, like you said, it's a, a gap of value, right? So, oh, well, I just, I, you know, I'm sure 5,000 or, you know, whatever your pricing is, is worth it for most of your clients. I'm just not sure that it's going to be worth it for me. Oh, okay. So it's less about price, but more about a gap in perception value. So it's always kind of asking those clarifying questions. Now, somebody is sort of stuck and they don't, you know, they, their just gut feeling is that maybe there's a value gap here. You can guide that conversation through um, a couple of different question styles. So I just posted actually a reel the other day about uh, a framework that involves uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out and consequence. 
So um, something that comes up a lot, actually, when I'm talking to people and they say, hey, uh, it's too expensive. And then once I've dug into it, really, it's a value gap, but they can't quite identify what that value, missing value element would need to be. Um, I'll ask them, okay, Healy, I, I understand. Let's pretend for a second that you decide not to take any action today. Let's fast forward six months from now. And six months from now, everything about your situation is the same. You're still dealing with this challenge. You still have A, B, and C pain. Your income is still the same. You know, how would you feel about that? And, and you're kind of helping to sort of remind them of all the things that they have said in the call. And, and why was it that they were motivated to even go through this whole process to get to the point of, of pricing, right? Um, it's also obviously helpful if you have a f uh, something to benchmark again. So for example, most people that I help, um, they're trying to make, you know, at least six figures, but most people that I, I engage with, they're saying, well, I want to get to 200K plus a year. So it's okay. So if you want to get to 200K plus a year, what is the level of investment that we're really talking about? And, and can we sort of start to help them frame, um, in relation to what their goal is, this isn't really a big investment. Because sometimes the dollar amount just seems, right? They, they would never go out and buy a, a $5,000 widget. But when you're thinking about the context of income and in their goal, can you, you know, does that then make sense? Uh, converting that to percentages, right? So I, I just had a call the other day, for example, somebody that wants to go from making 100000 a year to two hundred. Um, so that's a plus 100000 uh, increase in their in their earnings, and let's say my service, my my fee was five thousand. Well, so you're you know, you're looking at investing just five percent one time into the result that you're trying to get year over year over year. So in reality, if you just got, if your average commission per deal is ten thousand, really you just need one deal and this has paid off, right? So there's different ways. The clarification sometimes you want to get the context because how people view the number. Um, can sometimes help inform how you can reframe it. Uh, some people do better with percentages. Some people do better with, oh, if I just get one more deal out of working with you, it's already paid for itself. And, and you know, but you're only going to understand what um, those mechanisms or what those kind of uh, frame of minds are if you ask those questions first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's easy sometimes to fall into thinking about just the dollar amount on a on a service or a product as opposed to thinking about what are the skills and the dividends through over the years based you know what you learn from this program or this coach or whatever doing it and using those principles you learn getting the results over time on repeat and having the confidence to keep repeating that that is valuable and that is not like a dollar per hour type of price it's something where oh my gosh now you you know like i've had clients who leave their jobs or have their first 5k months or beyond that and they never had that before they make more than their corporate job or something and so that one time investment and it is a one time investment over now they can go do that in their life and so i think it's important to as you said remind people of that kind of stuff and the last thing I want to say is when somebody says I need to think about it or, <clears throat> you know, usually sales conversations sometimes can be two conversations or something like that. So, and I, I really want to highlight before I ask you this question that it's okay. And you actually kind of want to get either a yes or no, 
what you don't want is to leave it like this undecided well like we'll talk in two years like it's just like <laughs> yeah that's okay and it's okay to get a no you should want to know as opposed to ghosting or like this weird ending you know what i mean because that doesn't serve the person on the other end because then they're like wait so i gotta i gotta make this decision i'm still overwhelmed i don't really know what to do whatever so how do how do you structure when someone the or what what would you say to if you hear oh i need to think about it or i need a couple days to figure things out that kind of thing yeah so you know first you're you're spot on what i what i told people for many years is that you want yes yes means action no means we can move on but we all waste time on maybe like so yes no not maybe it's kind of what we're after but interesting you know a lot of people who are first starting out in um either sales role or they're selling for their own business they're afraid of no they're afraid of the rejection but no is actually the second best answer you can get because then okay either means you can head into objection handling and but if it's a final no then okay i can move on and and go work with with people that that might see value instead of uh, hanging on to, I call it hopium, right? You're kind of running your business on the hope that these people will come back one day and, and buy from you. So if somebody wants to think about it, uh, again, I treat it like any objection because usually it's a, it can be a smoke screen. So, okay. Um, I, you know, normally I do what's called a disarming statement. So I'll say something like, Oh, you know, um, Haley totally understand before we hop off our call. I mean, that's a disarming statement. You're kind of implying, okay, we're, we're going to end the call. I'm not going to, try and browbeat you into buying something right now. Um, but then I'll ask that clarifying question when, you know, before we hop off on our call, what are the specific things that you want to think about? Or if they ask, um, now a variation of this we see often is I got to go talk to my spouse. Or I got to talk to my partner, right? Um, if it's a third party that needs to think about it, usually what I'll do is I'll get very specific and I'll get specific. Most people, um, can anticipate what their partners will not like. So, for example, if they say, hey, I need to think about it and talk it over with my partner, I'll do the same thing, disarm. Hey, I understand, um, but before we get off this call, I'd like to ask, when you go and talk to your partner, if they say, let's pretend they say no, they don't want you to move forward with this, what's the one or two specific reasons why you think that might happen? Like you want to get very specific because if you leave it to, oh, what will you, your partner think? Now it's like you're playing telephone, right? Okay, they're going to, and, and, and it gets kind of nebulous versus most people are really good about anticipating what their partner's objections will be. So be very specific about that. Um, if it's something you can handle right then and there, great. But if it's not and they truly just want to, you know, go and make a call. Interestingly, one of the coaches I work with, I told him on, um, on the sales call with me that, Hey, I, I just have a hard and fast rule. I, I don't make decisions like on the spot. I need at least 12 hours. Um, and you know, he tried to objection handle, which was great. But when he found out that, no, I'm, I'm just not going to make the decision. He did the right thing. What I would recommend uh, anybody who watches this to do is he, he understood what exactly I wanted to think about. And then he proactively set up the next action. So he said, Hey, let's pull up our calendar. And let's set, you know, you said you need a day to think about it. Why don't we go, you know, today's Monday, let's schedule first thing Wednesday. Let's get on a quick 15 minute call so I can answer any follow up questions that you might have after you've had a chance to think about it. So you're trying to do everything you can to, to firm up like what the next action will be. 
Um, and even that can even be your clarifying question. Say, hey, understand, Haley, you need to go think about it. Why don't we pull up our calendars right now and set a time on you know, two days from now to reconnect? And so that I can be prepared to answer any questions you might have, tell me what is it that you need to think about these next 24 hours um, so I can be prepared right, to help you, you know, when we reconnect on, on Wednesday. So you're not going to be able to close everybody on the first call, um, but you can certainly make sure that you're not leaving it up to chance as much as you can. You're setting, you're proactively setting that next step. Um, and then between those two calls, um, what are you doing to kind of make sure it stays warm? Meaning, do you just, you know, if you, even if you set that call, are you just letting that all be dead time before you talk again? Or are you sending a follow-up email with a quick couple bullets summarizing, hey, here's what we talked about. Here's the value you said that, that you could see getting, right? And here's a couple testimonials, whatever it is, you know, you want to make sure that you also kind of keep that warm or engaged, um, even if it's just a 48-hour gap between when you're speaking and, and when you're having another call. Yeah, absolutely. And no matter what, this is a relationship. So, you you know, if somebody is not ready to work for with you and or it wasn't the right fit or whatever, you never want to just think it's, oh, you know, I, I – you never want to make it mean something about you. And you also – want to keep the relationship like and and that's how you expand your network and that's how you guys can maybe help each other in the future with referrals or something like that so i think it's important to remember that if you're somebody who gets really attached to the sale um what would you say to somebody who does find themselves getting really attached to the sale really fearful being pushy um really like wants a yes but you know just like kind of that too much attachment making it means what would you say to that? So sales is like the game of baseball. Um, the greatest baseball players do not hit at every single at-bat. Actually, really great baseball players hit about one-third of the time, right? So sales is very similar. It's not about closing every single deal. It's not about getting a yes to every meeting request. It's not about batting a 1,000. Um, it's about getting as much as you can, but really, statistically speaking, across the United States, while one in three, you're doing really well, actually. So number one, don't put so much pressure on yourself to get a yes at every interaction. Every no is one no closer to yes, right? If you're, if you're, if you're diligent about attracting new potential clients, about building your pipeline, about getting your branding and messaging out there. Uh, which leads me to point two is that the easiest way to not be so attached to uh, the outcome of one particular deal is if you have a pipeline of opportunity. Um, if you have freedom to, to detach yourself from, you know, from, oh, I, I really need this one deal because um, it's the only one I have in my pipeline, you're going to, you're going to start feeling like you need to be pushier or harder on that deal, uh, which is actually not ideal for your client either, right? Versus if you have 10 opportunities, you know, just the law of averages, so you'll probably close two or three of those 10. And so when you start to detach yourself from the outcome of just getting a sale versus having conversations to build relationships and help people understand how you can help them. Um, so taking the pressure off yourself also helps alleviate pressure um, off the sale. 
I think another thing, you know, to think about in terms of um, trying to avoid uh, this idea of like sales breath, right? You're, you're so desperate to like, you really want to close this deal. It's exactly what you said. A no today done right and, and, and you know, relationship established actually oftentimes means a yes later. You know, it's, it's just no right now. Uh, and you see this a lot with um, any kind of people that work like a, a particular account list or a specific like named list of prospects. It's not about the no today. It's what are you, you know, you're adding, I, I think of it like the analogy of a bank. It's a relationship bank, right? Sometimes we have to, you can't go to a bank and just say, hey, give me money. I want to withdraw. Sometimes, you know, you, normally what you have to do is you have to put deposits into the bank so that one day you can make that withdrawal. So start to shift your mindset around no isn't mean no forever. No, it's just another deposit into that relationship bank that one day you likely can withdraw. You just need to sort of give yourself more options so you're not hung on the one deal and just understand that these things take time. It's a game of baseball. You don't have to hit every time you're at the plate. Um, you're aiming for one out of three and you're doing really well. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. This was so great. So I just want to recap a couple things. Uh, number one, when you were talking about how you should, if somebody's looking around at their options and is trying to figure out their criteria for what they're looking for, uh, I actually made a decision evaluation guide and it's questions. It's not anything like you should do this, you know, like, here's my advice. Here's what you, you should do. It's more, it's open-ended questions to help somebody come to a decision. And sometimes I'll use that if somebody is really in, you know, indecisive and maybe wants to reflect in between now and our next call and that kind of thing. So if anybody wants to um, check out the decision eval guide, you can comment decision eval under this video. And if you're listening to this replay, I guess you'll have to contact me on Instagram or something via DM and just remind me because I say a lot of things and I got to remember which freebie I offered. <laughs> so that's the thing. Uh, just contact me if you want that. And then the other thing is um, you mentioned having, if you only have one conversation a month with a potential client, of course it's going to feel heavy because that's your only opportunity, right? So giving yourself more opportunities and more leads and more um, relationships that you're building is something that I'm going to actually be helping with on Thursday night this week on my business boost coaching intensive. So if you're looking to get your next three to five clients, you're looking to get more leads in the door and you want a custom plan to be able to do that, go ahead and uh, DM me or comment that you want to come to the business boost this Thursday night. And that will be recorded and you can get coached and all that kind of stuff. Now, Dale, where can everybody connect with you, find you, and learn more about your sales tips. This was so awesome. And I appreciate all the value you brought today. Oh, happy to do it. Um, so I'm obviously on Instagram. I'm on every major social platform, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me, you know, um, at all those uh, sales with Dale, um, you know, same username. Um, and if, you know, um, I also have a sales community where people can come together. Um, it's a low investment per month. I do live trainings every single week on a specific area of sales. For example, we just did a call yesterday on having a growth mindset and what that can mean for, for you and your business. Next week, we're doing handling objections, a deeper dive into that. Um, so you can find me there too. Uh, we post a lot of content and I, and I share a lot there as well. Awesome. And you can hit my uh, link in my bio can, can take you there. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.
Hey, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And if it's really helpful for you, I'd really appreciate if you share it and or leave a written podcast review. This tells the podcast sites that our show is useful and it will be promoted to more people that way. Thanks again.